0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento, and man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Good morning, Project Church. Thank you, Pastor Caleb and Chrissy, for allowing Uncle Sam to come here and be with you this morning. It's really a privilege for me to be here in light of what's going on in our nation today. And I really think that the words God has given me are apropos for the times because it's a story from the Old Testament and the nation was really going through some crazy stuff. And I'm going to talk for a few moments about Absalom and what happened between him and his daddy, David. When Absalom, as a young man, He wanted to take over his daddy's kingdom and David, instead of fighting with his son, he chooses to leave Jerusalem with a few people. And Absalom doesn't realize how strong his father really is and what a soldier he is. He thinks he's won. and In reality, he has lost, but there was trouble in the nation. Something was trying to divide the nation. In fact, you can read about it In 2 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 27 through 29, listen to these words. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Makur, the son of Amiel from Lodabar, and Barzellai, the Gileadite, from Rojalim, they brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery. They also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds, sheep and cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat, for they said the people have become exhausted, hungry, and thirsty in the wilderness. Sometimes I feel like that's what we're walking through right now in America. We're exhausted, we're hungry, and we're thirsty for something. Let me take you back to 1963. I was 10 years old, I'm sitting in my father's living room, and I'm watching our black and white television, and there's some scenes that come up from Birmingham, Alabama, in a park known as Kelly Ingram. And I'm sitting there, TV's here, and my grandmother's sitting over here, and my grandmother is sewing, and she's humming, and as I'm looking at the television, I see, I see scenes. I see kids running, and, and, and I see kids screaming, and, and, and I had never seen things like I had seen on television that day before. Blacks, kids, and it was almost like one of those kids morphed into me. And as I sat there doing this, television, my grandmother, television, my grandmother, I said these words in here. If I can ever show the world that blacks and whites can do something together, I'm going to do it. You see, at that time in my life, at 10 years of age, my whole world was simply black and white. What I didn't realize was that my life was marked in that moment because God had given me my own personal burning bush experience. I saw division that day. I saw water hoses. I saw snarling German Shepherd dogs. I saw people being beaten with clubs, screaming and all kinds of things. What I saw was the present. What God saw was my future. Growing up, I was called the N-word many times. As a rebellious teenager, I was involved in a gang and we physically fought those who were different. However, when Christ captured my heart and I was filled with his life by the presence of the Holy Spirit when I was 19, my life radically changed. A white pastor, Reverend Julie Thomas, became my spiritual father. He taught me and those that were with me the power of God's word to change our lives forever and to empower us to live a life that on our own we would not be able to live. And now my life was in technicolor. I had power to dispel the hell that lived inside of me. I began to see people differently. The color of my whole world, it began to change. I became concerned about all people groups that were representative of America. Some some of the very guys, in fact, that I physically fought against in gangs, they found Jesus as well. I saw how people different from me, how they had to deal with prejudice as well. I saw how prejudice wasn't one-sided or even colorblind. My now-saved gang friends and I began to fight again, this time on our knees in prayer and in the word with hands lifted up to surrender to the one who brought us together as brothers he allowed us to see the problem was not skin color but sin color as we surrendered to jesus we experienced the red blood of jesus and its power to help us see each other for who we were not for the color of our skin through the years i continue to ask jesus lord what can i do today sometimes i say lord use me today sometimes i'll say god clean my heart Today, there were two incidents that recently happened that brought me back to how intense the spiritual battle that we are in as followers and believers in Jesus. One of them is very personal. One of them is a little bit larger that could involve you. Every day, there are two alarms on my phone that go off. One goes off at 413, representing my family, my wife our three married children four couples and our 13 grandchildren. My son a while back had this disease called Moya Moya. It's a disease in which certain arteries in the brain are constricted and blood flow is blocked and causes strokes. He had a five hour surgery. Some of you that are watching this, you prayed for my boy. He has recovered and is doing well. But all of a sudden I begin to realize this is real. This battle that we are in is real. My granddaughter was on her way home from college. She has since graduated from Azusa Pacific University and on her way home she had a wreck. Her car just began to turn over and over. When I saw the pictures the next day and then I saw her with one scratch and it was a burn on her arm and she crawled out the back window. And again, I was reminded how serious this thing is. I've always prayed for my family on Thursdays, my immediate family and all my first generation cousins. But now every day at 4.13, alarm goes off and I pray for my family, asking God to watch over them. And uh, you you know, listen, if you're a grandparent and you have a cell phone and you have grandchildren and you don't communicate, to them or with them via your cell phone, throw the cell phone away. You you, you you don't don't need it. I have each one of my grandchildren, there's a group uh, message for them where all their names are together. Sometimes I wake up at two or three in the morning, grandparents, and I'll just send them a text. And then sometimes I will extrapolate one of the names and I'll send them something special. And invariably they'll text me back and say, Papa, how did you know what I was going through? One of these days, (laughs) I'm going to surprise them and say, I was a teenager, too. I wasn't born a grandpa. And I communicate with them. I want them to know that I'm praying for them, that I'm interceding for them, that while they're asleep, their grandfather is out calling their names before the Lord. There's another alarm I mentioned that goes off. It goes off at 1:50. This alarm represents our nation. We're one nation under God, and we represent 50 states. I began to see how I could do my part to unify our nation to the greatest power power available to the churches, which is prayer. When I first started praying, I said, Lord, I pray for the president, I pray for his beautiful wife, I pray for the vice president, I pray for his wife. And one day it dawned on me, how come the president had a beautiful wife and the vice president just had a wife? So then I begin to pray, Lord, I lift the president before you, the vice president, I lift their cabinet before you and all, <laughs> and all of their, their spouses. And Lord, you know who's ugly, you know who's pretty. I just give them all to you. I pray for them. I pray for our nation. I pray sometimes, I just start calling out states. We're in a pandemic and, and the power that the church has is really the power of prayer. And I want to I do my part. I have to keep surrendering again and again and again, dying to my own personal prejudice. I have to die to my own political views. I have to die to my biases. I got a lot of those. My education experience and I must be open to what the spirit is doing and what the spirit is saying today. You see, I've come to realize this. When I finally die and stand before a holy God, he will not ask me about my political affiliation he won't care about my gender, the color of my skin, or my education. But he will not, and he will not ask, hey, did you like the senator? Did you like the congressperson? Did you like the local judge? Did you even like the city council members? Hey, how'd you, how'd you like where I had you living? Hey, by the way, who did you vote for? Why did you vote for them? He won't ask me those questions. But according to the Bible in Romans 13:1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities For there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. According to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, I will be asked, did you pray for your leaders? Did you pray? Timothy says, I urge then, first of all, all that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior. You see, this will only happen if I realize who the real enemy is. Listen, my brothers and sisters, this is not about racial division. This is about our hearts who have not really been captured by the presence and the power of the Holy One of Israel. Ephesians 6:12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. This verse right here saved my marriage. Had been married too long, and you know, I didn't know what this marriage thing was all about. I'd come from a divorce home, and the first time we had an argument, I thought, you know what, this ain't for us, because I thought it was supposed to be perfect. And one day I was reading this verse, this very verse, Wrote a paper on it when I was in college. And I realized if my struggle is not against flesh and blood, then my struggle and my fight and my battle, it's not against Linda. But there is a spiritual one who's out to kill, steal, and destroy everything I represent, even my relationship with Linda. And then everything began to change because I began to put the energy and my fighting on my knees against the one that was really to cause all the junk that was going on. You see, I'm challenging us to do some spiritual battle for our nation. What's more important, your point of view, your biases, your gender, your political affiliation, your ethnicity, your personal pain, or our nation? At one point in our home growing up, wasn't a big home, but there were 11 of us that lived in that home. One of the ladies that lived in that home was my great-grandmother. Born and raised in a little town in Louisiana. 20 years after the Civil War she probably had a lot of stories but when she came out here to live with us we were attending a little small white Baptist church and just like many of our churches after church the people would hug each other but when they would go up to my great grandmother to hug her she would always do this she just put her hand up she'd do just like this and my brothers and sisters and I we would just kind of look at her and, but we never asked her "Well, why did you do that and as I got to be older and especially after I accepted Christ, I realized what a gift that was to me and my brothers and sisters. What, the fact that she didn't hug white people? No, but the fact she didn't tell us why. She didn't feel like she had to, well, let me me tell y'all how the white people treated me in Louisiana. Let me tell you about this white man or this white woman. She didn't do that. She kept the pain that was caused to her by other races or ethnic groups, she kept it within as opposed to spilling that poison upon her grandchildren, possibly destroying our lives. But you know what, as I got older, I realized I had some of that craziness inside of me. And, and the crazy part is I expected some things when I was growing up in the little town I grew up in and all kind of stuff. I didn't expect it when I got into church. And I saw things and experienced things from Bible school to ministry and some even to this very day in the church that it shocks me. I remember one day uh, when God introduced me to the most prejudiced man I'd ever met. I went home one evening and my daughter was there, cheerleader, very beautiful, high school. And she said, Daddy, I want to introduce you to this young man. And we're going to a school event together on Friday. I said, sure, baby. And I went walking into the kitchen area where he was sitting down at the table and this kid stood up, blonde hair, blue eyes. (laughs) And I stood up and I said, as I walked in, I said these words to myself, not out loud, to myself. We ain't taking no pictures. No, ain't nobody gonna see this. Some of you are saying, Dr. Sam, you mean you were prejudiced? I sure was. And I wish I could tell you now that I'm not prejudiced now. But then you could say, okay, Pastor, let me pray for your lying spirit. But sometimes it only comes up when somebody wants to point it out to me. And I, I've had to dig deep, and God had to help me to deal with this stuff. See, a lot of people don't want to deal with the stuff that's inside of them. You know who they are? There are people that say this, Sam, Sam, when I see you, I don't even see color. Well, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that kind of love. Because you know what I want to ask you? What color is your dog? What color is your car? What color is your house? Well, how come everything got a color but me? How come you can't just love me for just who I am? And, or I can't love you for... You see, I know what prejudice is because it resides in me. Now watch this. But it don't rule me. For the greater one lives inside of me. You see, I can even listen to you. I can even disagree with you. And I can still love you. I can listen to your political views, and they could totally differ from mine. But when you get done speaking, I expect us to go to lunch, and I expect you to buy. (laughs) I'm not going to trip. Now, here's the reason. Listen, my brother. Oh, if I could only get one point across to you, it'd be this one. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And the opinions that some people try to espouse online, it's divisive. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. And when I read some of the stuff that some people are putting online, you know what I want to ask them? The world's on fire, and it's like the best they could do is bring five-gallon buckets of gasoline to the parade. And I just want to ask them one question. Who's your daddy? Because what you're saying and what you're doing is so divisive. Folk, some of the stuff you and I say, it has no eternal significance. One of my friends in the state of Kentucky, he wrote something, and he said, pause before you post. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says if my people, it's a qualifier, if my people will call by my name, followers of Jesus will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then," Then God says, then God says, then I God will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. How many of you think our land needs healing right now? And the only place, the only place that is equipped to bring unity to the world is the church of Jesus Christ if we would just die to ourselves and let Christ rise within us do you know that my wife doesn't even know my political views or my political pers- who I want to vote for you want to know why because there was a guy in the bible named was samson and he told some guys a riddle and he said if you know what if you figure out what the riddle is i'll do this for you but if you don't figure it out, you're gonna do this for me. You know what they did? They went to his lady. They got the answer out of her. And then the next thing you know, he's killing people burning up fields. So if I never tell my wife who I voted for, you can't get the answer and I never have to burn up your field. <laughs> I wouldn't burn up your field. But see, I don't think my, my vote, I know it counts, but it's not important enough to bring division. And some of the stuff that's going on in the political arena, it's dividing families. Why would you let what's going on in a temporary arena bring division on what you and your family are hoping to experience on a spiritual basis? I got 13 grandchildren. There's no way humanly possible we're going to all agree. But I tell you one thing, they know that their grandfather loves them, and they know there's nothing, nothing they're going to ever do going to stop me from loving them. You know where I get that from? My earthly father. You know where he gets that from? Our Heavenly Father. So here's my question. Will you set your alarm for 150? Will you join me daily praying for our nation? Will you pray for our leadership? Will you join me to fight the greatest battle with the greatest power we have? It's called prayer. I was in Hong Kong in October. Met a young man named Jade. He's smoking, drinking his wine. We have this conversation. He sees I'm reading the Bible, it's early in the morning. He's what are you reading, the Bible? I said, well, yeah, I said, Old Testament and New Testament. Well, I knew he knew something about the Bible, by the way, he asked it, and then he said, I said, well, a little bit of all. I'm reading a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. He goes, yeah, because that Old Testament is really bloody. And then he started espousing his views. Now, he had a lady friend upstairs, had two children by two different ladies, but he's, he's a prophet. He just started talking, and half of, probably the majority of what he was saying had no eternal significance, but let me tell you what I knew. I knew he was empty, and he was looking for something. I could have debated with him and won the debate, but I would have lost his soul. Before our conversation was over, he wanted to take pictures with me. I was his new best friend and all the rest of that. Why? Because my viewpoint to me wasn't important. You know why? Because my grandmother's pain wasn't important enough to her to mess, my great grandmother, to mess with her babies. What would happen if all of us that claim to be followers of Christ could somehow listen to craziness from other people and just say, "Mm." hmm, hmm, and then just walk away? Why is it that we always have to give our opinion as if if we don't give it, they're going to think we agree with them? Are you that insecure? Will you pray with me for our nation? In fact, let me pray right now. Father, I pray for our president. I pray for his cabinet. I pray for all our political leaders. I pray for our church leaders. And above all, I pray for this nation. We are one nation with 50 states. You didn't ask us whether or not we like our leaders, regardless of what color they might be black, white, brown. You didn't ask us whether or not we liked our leaders, whether they were what gender they were. You didn't ask us whether we liked our leaders because of their political or or whatever persuasion they may find themselves sexually. You didn't ask us. Do we like our leaders because they're Republican or Democrat or Tea Party members or independents? But you've asked us and you've told us in your word to pray. You've told us to submit to authority. And Father, I pray right now for our leaders. I pray for divine protection. I pray that you administer grace to them. I pray that you'll help me keep my heart right. I pray when I come across people, Lord God, who are trying to pull that ugliness out within me, I pray that you'll help me to keep it down. I I pray that you'll help me keep my opinions to myself. Pray for the pastors of this church, Project Church. What an appropriate name, Lord God, because in one way we all are projects. So bless the calls, their leaders that are around them, Bless the people that have heard me speak this morning. Give them strength and grace and help all of us through this pandemic. Help us, Lord God, so that when it's over, those people that are reading what we're posting online will want to come to our churches and sit by us because of the grace they've seen come through our words online. Bless this church, for I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Project Church. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.